everybody. My name is Ruth Jennings and this is my podcast, Are You Over It Yet? I lost my husband Andrew to cancer when he was only 32 and there's been so much about grief that has been surprising and unexpected for me. So I started this podcast as a way of chatting to others about their story of their loved one and their grief journey and some of the twists and turns, highs and lows we experience when someone very close to us dies. So I have a wonderful guest today. She spends her days working for an amazing charity called CAP, Christians Against Poverty, and she helps some very vulnerable people at desperately low points in their lives. So she's also a bit of a horse fanatic and she runs a horse livery yard. And this is despite multiple horse related accidents. There's actually barely a bone in her body that she hasn't broken, Um, but she still loves horses, she tells me, despite it all. And I met her when she used to sing with the Belfast Community Gospel Choir. She is great fun. She's very thoughtful, very talented. And I know you're going to love listening to her. This is Kathy Willis. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you very much. Is it nice to have that full introduction? <laughs> it certainly is. You go around and have someone introducing you like that all the time. <laughs> I've had other introductions, not quite so grand as that, but anyway. No, Kathy arrived today and was. we were having a wee chat about... Um, about going to the gym and getting uh, getting stuck in with spin classes. So um, we're all trying to sit comfortably today after lots of <laughs> exercise and spin classes this week. But um, Kathy, you're here today. I'm hoping to talk about your lovely sister, um, Janet. Would you tell me, first of all, just a little bit about what Janet was like, particularly maybe growing up, first of all, what she was like as a sister? So Janet would have been two and a half years older than I was. Okay. Um, she was the first child in all of our family, cousins and everything. Very so special. she was kind of like the special child, yes. Yeah. And I think I had the second child syndrome thing. You know, <laughs> My sister thing. has that too. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, you know, I used to watch her and everybody loved her and she was very sensible. She was very creative, you know, she um, she just was just, she was lovely. There was no doubt about it. And I think for me, it was always like, hello, look at me, look at me and all the rest of it. But she was a brilliant big sister, actually. She, um, she always looked out for me and, uh, you know, introduced me to different things and sort of was really encouraging, you know, mm-hmm. even from a young age, I always remember being really encouraging as an older sister and I used to look up to her there's no doubt about it we were very different personalities yes I said she was very sensible (laughs) I really was not I was very impulsive always wanting to be out you know bit of crack all the rest of it you know she was much more you know sort of um kind of steady she was a steady Eddie and did everything sensibly pretty much or it's, so it seemed, actually, that that did change later on in her life. Um, and did you guys get on well when you were children? Uh, yeah, yes, most no. of the time. Yeah, yeah like, uh, like all siblings, you know, we certainly had a good old fight every now and again. And certainly if I was being told off, you know, it was, it, it, you know, it was me that did the naughty things. And she would have actually used to step in and try to sort of, you know, advocate on my behalf, which was lovely, Aww, you know. Didn't blame you. Yes, well, I was being chased around the table by my mother, you know. He, <laughs> he was going to scalp me for something very naughty that I'd done or whatever, you know. <laughs> Janet would have been the one who would have sort of gone, it's, you know, don't, don't, don't. You know? So she was lovely from that, that way. We used to share a room, um, so we got to know each other really well. We shared a room right up until she got married, basically. Um, oh, wow. She went to university for a while, but, you know, it was still our room. Yeah. Twin rest and all the rest of it. But we used to share this double bed in our, sort of in one of the homes that we lived in very early on. And uh, we used to play this game in the bed. Um, 
And this particular night we were playing Bonnie and Clyde and I can't remember who was Bonnie and who was Clyde, but that was irrelevant. <laughs> and we were creating obviously a bit of a ruckus. And the next thing we heard my mum's footsteps outside the door and the two of us just pretended you were asleep. to be asleep, mm-hmm. closed her eyes, absolutely quiet. And the door opened and we knew my mum had come in and then the door closed again and there was silence. And Janet <laughs> said to me, uh, Catherine, open your eyes and see if she's still there, which I dutifully did. And she was still there, standing at the bottom of our bed. And needless to say, I nearly put my pants and I just went, she is. And then we still pretended to be asleep. And then, of course, I could hear my mum laughing, actually. But at the same time, you know, it was like, it's really late and you need to be asleep and all the rest of it. So we had a lot of fun growing up. But to say she was the sensible one, she was also quite bossy as well. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So sensible except when being Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and when we were, when I was about um, 17, she was 19. She'd had a year at university. So she was like sort of, you know, an experienced woman, of course, by this yeah. stage. And she said, right, I'm going to take you on a trip to France. We're going to oh, wow. uh, go into railing or mm-hmm. Eurorail or whatever it was called then. And this was completely, I'd never been abroad before, you know, in those days we just oh. went camping and tell you more or, you know, that sort of <laughs> yeah. place. We never really went anywhere. So we'd never been abroad as a family. And Janet said, I'm going to take you to France. And it was like, oh my goodness, it's really exciting. So that was a big undertaking for her yeah. and even for my mom to let us go. Yeah. I'm not sure I would do that now, you know. Yes. But it was different days. You went without phone or anything. So yeah. there was like, you know, Nobody this heard was it. I think my mom was quite happy enough to see us. <laughs> <head off, laughs> I'm anyway. sure she wasn't. But uh, yes, so we got on a train and I saw a different side of Janet then, you know. Okay. She was actually, although she was really sort of straight and sensible, it was also quite this very sort of, you know, she, she liked boys and we met a few boys along the way. But uh-huh. she was also sensible in the fact that she would say to me, like, Catherine, don't smile at anybody. If okay. you see somebody looking at you, so we were in Paris at this stage, don't be smiling at them, right? So we were standing outside this post office sending postcards home and the next thing this wee man was sort of standing there. And I don't forget, 17, 19 year old yes. girls, you know, we were in our prime, let's say. <laughs> but... Um, this wee man goes, bonjour. And of course, I'm practicing my French and I smile at him and I say, bonjour back. And I feel a kick in my leg from her. And she goes, don't be speaking to him, don't be speaking to him. And it's kind of, what? That's terribly rude, you know? Yeah. But then the next thing, lo and behold, wasn't he following us for about, you know, the next oh, hour? Wow. We couldn't get away from him at all. He was just following us down the road and he turned out to be a real sort of creepy man. Mm-hmm. Never had an experience of that. And then we were away down in the south of France and exactly the same thing happened. These sort of, um, uh, these guys came up and they started to chat to us. And, uh, you know, again, I was like trying to answer because mm-hmm. I, I didn't know any better. And I was just trying to be nice to them. And she would just look away, absolutely ignore them. And I <laughs> felt terrible because yeah. it looked like she was being so rude. But she was right because yes. they were hassling us and all the rest of it, you know. So I just remember that about her, how that sort of sense, yeah. sensibleness and yet at the same time. But it's funny because you said she really looked after you when you were little and then she still really looked after you. She was still looking yeah. after me. And you know what, even all the, all the way through, you know, there were there were times, like especially when I was away off the rails and, you know, out living a very, you know, <laughs> sort of bohemian lifestyle or whatever. And at one point I remember when I was about 15 and I was smoking at the time and you know, hiding that from my mum and dad and all the rest of it. And she had lent me this bag to go out for a night and I had accidentally left a cigarette 
in <gasps> the sweet inside pocket, you see. So smoking. Would your mom big... have gone crazy about that? She would, yes. yes. She would absolutely have drinking and all of that, especially mm-hmm. when you were underage, yes. which is fair enough, you yeah. know. But um <laughs> Uh, she f- she got the bag. Oh no, she had borrowed my bag. That's what it was. And there had been a cigarette in the thing, and I hadn't realised. And she gave me the bag back. She never said a thing. But I suddenly remembered about the cigarette, and I hooked in to see if she'd find it. And she had found it, and she had written on it, "Cigarettes can kill you, you know, Catherine." <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, but she never, she never, you know, sort of rattled me out to my mom and dad, which was really good, you know. So. Um, and then, you know, I was like, I was engaged for a while. And when that broke up, I was absolutely heartbroken. And I'd, I'd been living with a guy and so forth. And she had oh, wow. taken me in afterwards. And, you know, she nurtured me mm-hmm. through that and just supported me through that. And, you know, never said anything. And then one day when I was still crying and still mm-hmm. getting on, she just came in and she just goes enough's enough kind of thing and Mm. I heard it you know I I heard it but she had loved me up to that point and then just at a certain point it was just like that's enough Mm -hmm. you've done your your grieving now you need to start living again and uh, supported me until I was back up on my feet so and did she ever meet anyone herself like was she she did so she got married actually very early on um she was involved in uh, a sort of a new church that was sort of like blossoming at the time which is now christian fellowship church um, oh yes yes so in those early days it was um it was it started in bangor so she had gone down there and got involved with all of that she had actually been very ill and I had to pull out of university. She'd been studying biology over in Liverpool and had got some sort of condition that it had affected, you know, everything, I guess, really. And as a result, she had to pull out, pull out of university. She met her husband, Alan, mm-hmm. at that time. And she was 19 when she met him, was married at 20. Oh, so wow. she went, yeah, she was pretty young. But as I say, yeah. she was always really sensible and felt older for yes. years. So at 21, she um, was diagnosed actually with a malignant melanoma. It was like a just a growth in the side of her leg that grew very rapidly. And by the time she got to go and see somebody about it, um, it was like a, like a mushroom sort of almost grown in the side of her leg. It was very bizarre and very mm-hmm. sort of odd looking. So my aunts, I had two maiden aunts who were both nurses and they were like, you need to go see about this. So she went in at 21 and basically had a large chunk of her right leg taken away right, to get okay. rid of all the cancer. It was yes. quite aggressive cancer and all of that taken away and a few uh, lymph nodes removed from the tops of her legs as well. Had to have skin grafts and so forth. So it was really quite traumatic at that stage. When you know? she was first given that diagnosis, was it one of those feelings, you know, if you get this surgery, it's looking it's looking good or do they not really give you that information at that point? They didn't give the information at that point. OK. Um, I think because with medical ants, they were very concerned. OK. They knew it was very serious. OK. And, and as a result of that, we all knew it was really serious. But she was very faith-filled. Mm-hmm. So she had been uh, a believer, a Christian, from she was four Oh, wow. Five, that kind of age. She just knew that Mm -hmm. God was always there and Mm -hmm. she just was a real sort of faithful person all of her life. So when this this happened, again, very pragmatic, very practical, very sensible, all the rest of it. She just dealt with it like that and, you know, didn't let it stop her from doing anything. 
amazing. Uh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. So, um, but over the years, you know, you could, my aunts, the medical aunts would always be watching and, you know, making sure, just asking her how she was doing and all sorts of stuff. And she did have to go in a couple of times after that to get further lymph nodes removed. Um, so what's the sort of time scale on this? So she was first diagnosed at 21. 21. So over, over the next couple of years. Um, so at that stage, I, would, I was at uni. And, you know, she was going through some further treatments. Did she get chemotherapy and things like that? Or She got, she didn't get chemotherapy at that time. She okay. had surgery at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was sort of all clear. Okay. For about 14 years. Okay, wow. In which in which time they were never able to have children of their own. But she adopted a little girl from Aww. India called Grace. So Grace was four when she came and was where I think I, so I would have been. Janet was 35 when she passed and Grace was with her for nine years. So, yeah, so uh, everything was fine and they were actually looking to adopt again. And then she was at a a meeting one time where my husband was there as well. And she just fell down and had like an epileptic fit. This was like, you know, years later, nothing, nothing before that. Um, And it turned out basically that the cancer had gone to her brain uh, yes secondary so she was it was in her brain it was in her lungs uh, it was it was all through her and she'd had no symptoms before that of it I think there was like maybe something you know going on in her chest and yeah but she she lived her life in yes. those 14 years like there was no tomorrow yeah so she had 14 years of living life to yeah. the absolute maximum mm-hmm. she was a weaver and designer she so after her her stint in doing science in liverpool which ended you know abruptly because mm-hmm. of the illness she actually went back and did a, an art degree oh wow and got really you know sort of high marks in this this art degree and ended up sort of becoming a designer and weaver and she wove rugs and she wove clothing and wow I mean, it was beautiful and the colours were gorgeous because she was so I'm imagining this similar to, you know, in the Ulster Folk and Transport Museum you go in. Was it literally like that? With exactly these huge, like big, that. Wow, okay. And huge, there was big like looms. wool and, you know, little bits of material everywhere uh-huh. that's, that was woven into into all her sort of, you know, rugs and things like that. So, And did she sell the rugs and things? Then then? She was selling those right. and the clothing. So she made these gorgeous hats, you know, all of this kind of woven material on the outside and then velvet inside and... Yeah, oh, you know, waistcoats and it was very much at the time in a lot of linen clothing uh-huh. and um, she was becoming established and becoming a, a bit of a name, getting a bit of a name for herself. Yeah. And so it was beautiful and really, really hard work. Yes. But you, you used to go into her house, industrious, really industrious, you know, you could hear the looms going <laughs> and, and all these different, you know, girls in particular who were coming in to sort of learn the craft and such, and such. So it was really lovely. So her and her husband had gone out to India and had helped, you know, establish a school in India and had done a lot of work with the community out there. And she was back and forth from India all the time. And then they were doing the same thing in Spain. So she had this real heart that just kind of went across the world, yes. but also was caring for people. So she had people come and stay in her, her house who just needed a place to stay. Mm-hmm. She was just, it was just open, embrace, bring everybody in. Mm-hmm. Which was lovely. And, you know, that's one of the things that I miss yes. about her so much was that easy embrace of people who other people would find difficult to love. So she just really lived life to the full, full on, full paced. 
you know, I just brought everybody with her, mm-hmm. but always had time for you, you yeah. know, so at the same time as she was like looking out to see how you were doing. Yeah. She sounds absolutely amazing. You've given us such a, like, I, I feel like I know her. You've given such a good you description of her. her. You would have loved her, Ashley. Um, so after she'd had this seizure, what happened then? What, what you know, um, did they very quickly realise what was wrong? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then she had chemo. And I remember actually her coming in. She used to have the most beautiful, long auburn hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was stunning. And actually... Just beforehand, she'd got it cut. Actually, before this had happened, mm-hmm. she'd got it cut. So she had short yeah. over her, which actually quite suited her as well. But that was probably a good thing because yes. she came into the house one day and she just says, Catherine, will you see this? And she grabbed, or she just made me hold a wee bit of her hair and then she walked away from me. And I was left. It was just coming with apart. This, this piece of hair in my hand and she goes it's not really weird <laughs> you know and it was just but again that sort of hugely, yeah, I mean as opposed to just sobbing about yeah, it yeah yeah just like whoa do you see this and all the rest of it so she just took it in her stride and her her attitude was as I said you know she was a girl of faith real strong living faith you mm-hmm. know and she just said it's like the words of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego who were thrown into the fiery furnace mm-hmm. you know my god and can save us but even if he doesn't he's still my god and that was her attitude the whole way through mm-hmm. is my god can save me but even if he doesn't he's still my god so she was basically diagnosed with probably what would be called now stage four cancer i don't remember that actually ever being um, talked about terminal cancer but she went she underwent through the, the chemo and all the rest of it and still kept weaving still kept doing what she was doing she felt in some ways, it felt invincible, yes. you know, because she just kept on living mm-hmm. life so much to the full. Now, don't get me wrong, there were days where she was really sick. Mm-hmm. Those days she would have been so sick with the chemotherapy. And, you know, I remember sort of coming in and she wouldn't have been able to get out of bed that day because she was just so nauseous and so yeah. sick. And it was awful seeing her like that, you know. And I remember actually too, just the two of us sitting down. And this is one of the things, you know, that I would always say to anybody who in fact generally anybody anyway you know it's like it's a good thing to sit down and just say everything you need to say to somebody yeah and have those conversations because it meant then that whenever it was over yeah there were no regrets there were no sort of I wish I'd said this or I wish I'd done that so I remember sitting on the stairs the two of us sitting side by side and having just a real heartfelt conversation about life and love and death and the future and and God and family and everything and mm-hmm. just our relationship and I was able to tell her how I felt about her and how much she'd meant to me. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny the way it just comes up. I know, it, you know, I know. But it's like, and it's as real today, there were sort of moments through her, her illness and through those last weeks and months of her life where it was just like it changed my life completely mm-hmm. and uh yes so having that time together just to be able to to talk life through and just to be able to tell her how much she'd meant she means meant to me mm-hmm. whatever it means to me at the time I guess you know but anyway so she battled through with that and then she was doing uh a show, you know, it's sort of like one of those ex- expo things, you know, exhibition things okay. oh, over yes. in <clears throat> Earl's Court in London. Wow. And yes, but she had been not feeling particularly well. 
And interestingly, during that time, she'd been watching um, a guy called Roy Castle. You may maybe not remember Roy Castle, but a lot of people watched Roy Castle on TV. He mm-hmm. was a man who played trumpet. He used to run this program called Record Breakers. Yes, yes, okay. And yes, yes, and he was such a great guy. And he was also a Christian and he had been diagnosed with cancer as well. And, okay. you know, she was watching what was happening with him and listening and all the rest of it. And the week before she died, he died. Okay. And I, for the first time, I just saw a little, a deflation yeah. in her whole being. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, so I think, you know, she'd been rooting for him and yes. praying for him and all the rest of it. And, and he wasn't healed and, you know, he died. Yeah. And it was the first time that I saw her slightly knocked back. And, you know, it, it was quite, quite yeah. sort of, you know. Something very similar happened to Andrea, actually, I remember. Right. And we'd had a friend who'd had the same thing as him and it was a very similar situation. Yeah. And when he died, it's it, it's sort of like almost you give up hope on yourself then. In a it sort, sort of, of took the wind out yeah. of sails a bit. Yes, yeah. absolutely. You just sort of think, oh, so it's probably like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think the realisation anyway, but she, and she wasn't well. Mm-hmm. She obviously was fighting, fighting something which turned out to be pneumonia, actually. Okay. So, but anyway, she went to do this um exhibition and she asked me to go with her wow um I was doing a Montessori exam at the time so I couldn't go the first night so my mom said I'll go with you she knew she wasn't when my mom knew mm-hmm. she on the sidelines watching all the time and just mm-hmm. supporting her and doing what she could for her. but she knew she wasn't well so the two of them got over and then I joined them the next day and that night we set the exhibition up and she was pretty tired and that night we were all sharing a room together her breathing was really, really bad. She was really struggling Labored, yeah. breathing. And my mum just goes, we need to ring an ambulance here. Which we did. We were staying in a hotel and everything. So it was kind of very, that was very strange. But thank goodness we were all in the same room. Mm-hmm. And she was taken by ambulance to King's Cross Hospital, I think it was. And I went and did the exhibition the next day. Oh, wow. By myself, you know, standing in her place. And I like, Elle... Decoration Magazine were coming to speak, you know, they wanted yeah. it, you know, to her stuff and they wanted to do an article on her and all the rest of it. So all this stuff was about to, you know, mm-hmm. to just open up for her. And I just have to say, look, as soon as, you know, I can get her to get in touch with you, well, she's just not feeling well today. We didn't want to say what was going on. So they on, didn't you know? even know? Oh, no, they wouldn't have known. Oh, my so, goodness. You know, okay. So all her stuff was there. She prepared, mm-hmm. you know, a whole exhibition, basically, and it set up a stand. At which point then her husband, Alan, flew over and um, I think the doctors then had a very frank discussion with him and just said, it's not good. Platelets are very low now. This is not, this is not going to end well. So, and and he sat me down and just goes, you need to know she is so sick right now. So I went off and cleared, packed up all the exhibition, you know, things mm-hmm. over anyway. He helped me sort of bring some stuff back and we had it all in boxes. And then my dad came over and my sister Alison and my brother wasn't able to come to the next. So she was in the hospital for about a week. She managed to ring my aunt in America and say her goodbyes to her. And she rang my aunt, these wonderful aunts that we had who were, she loved. And we were such a close extended family as well. Mm-hmm. And she was able to say goodbye to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Then she sort of went unconscious and because she was in a breathing machine and all the rest of it. And 
we were all round her bed and her wee daughter Grace was there and I sort of looked after Grace while Alan, you know, was ministering and you know, just being with Janet and my dad and my mum and my sister Alison and we were reading to her, reading from the Bible, praying over, singing songs and all the rest of it. And then something just shifted. My brother came over that he was the last one to get here. So he arrived a day later and I think she had been holding out. Yeah, until he was him. there too. And he came and you know was able to sort of talk to her and all the rest of it. She hadn't spoken in about two days. And then suddenly she just removed her oxygen mask and she said, um, you need to know something. I'm ready to go. So you need to think about what you're praying for now. And then put her oxygen mask back on again. Oh my goodness. And those were her last, her last words. But it was as clear as a bell. <clears throat> and it was just like, there was like a paradigm shift. She it didn't was, want them to be praying for healing anymore, yes, basically. Yeah. She was ready to go. And wow. um, yeah, so that's what happened. And we came out of the room and Alan and Grace, her wee daughter, sat there for a while. And then Alan says, I think it's time to let mommy go. And they prayed and... The next thing, she passed away. But we, the moment that Janet died, Alan called us all back into the room. And for about the next two or three minutes, if it was even that, mm -hmm. there was just such a sense of a presence mm -hmm. being in the room. It was the most incredible and life-changing experience for me personally. And we all spontaneously just burst into like worship. And crying out, not in a sort of like a, a sad way or, you know, a kind of desperate way. It was just this incredible sort of presence. And for a split second, you wanted to go where she was going. Yeah. It felt like the glory of God had come into that room mm -hmm. for that short amount of time. It could have been just moments, but it just felt like, you know, a significant amount of time. Yes. As her spirit I guess, left. Mm -hmm. And then it just stopped. But we were like, absolutely, what just happened there? And we talked about it in, in the elevator on the way down after with, you know, said our goodbyes properly and all the rest of it and and so forth. And it was just like, I'll never forget that moment mm -hmm. because, you know, it took away the sting of death. Yeah. And the fear. Me, yeah. And the fear, exactly. Because I think up to that point, I'd always been afraid. Yeah. And very fearful of death. But at that moment, mm. it was like, oh, I know now. I know why, you know, she believed what she believed. I yeah. know that with certainty now. Yeah. I know that God was real. And I know that there's greater things yet to come. And you knew she'd gone to heaven. And I knew which she'd is, gone uh, to heaven. It's actually a very comforting, isn't it? When uh, they're not there to know. Yes. Without question. Yeah. I mean, without question. It was like sort of so mind-blowingly powerful. Yes. You know? And you mm. can't. It's hard to express that. And I'm mm -hmm. sure people might think, oh, it's because you're in this endorphin moment or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. of incredible sort of emotion. I, I would disagree with mm -hmm. that, actually. Um, it felt very, very different. And yes, afterwards, I mean, we cried and we were sad and, and there was all of that. But for that moment in time, it was like there was, it was no different. Sadness. Yeah. It was absolute celebration. Yeah. It was completely different to what I would thought at that moment. My you would have felt. Passed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, yes, so after that, I just remember sitting with her and, you know, lifting her hand and looking at her bald head because she had no hair at that stage and just sort of thinking, you know, how fragile 
Mm -hmm. life is and you know how sort of like your skin is just you know it's so much part of you so warm and all the Mm -hmm. rest of it but actually you know in a split second it just becomes just gone it's like it's just a shell and Mm -hmm. it's earthy and it's just feels you know this is not it's not longevity it's yes you know it is short term and that was kind of weird and um of course, we're all stuck in London. So I was going to, I, I'm, yeah. that's what I'm still thinking. This is going to be very complicated because uh, yeah, you're there yeah. with all of her stuff and the whole family was there. The whole family was there. Our spouses weren't there and that was difficult as well. For yeah. Like, you know, of, of like who had all known her and loved yeah. her um, not to be there with us and not to be there. But Did it feel like a shock? Because, you know, quite often I think one of the few good things about someone dying of something like cancer is that at least you do have a bit of time. Now, you did say you had that time, that lovely conversation with her, but it still feels like it was quite a shock. You know, if she felt well enough to get to London, she clearly thought she'd be coming home from that trip. Yes, no, absolutely. And I think no matter how you've said your goodbyes to somebody, because obviously I've had people who have, you know, close to me who have died since Mm -hmm. and so forth, and you know that they're dying and there's plenty of time to get your head around that. But at the moment that they go and that they pass away. It, it is, it's like, it's a bereft, bereft feeling mm-hmm. because you know that that is it. There's yes. a final finality about yes. it. Um, and you know that you will not see that person again. Yeah. And and on this, in this life, yeah. you know, and it's like sort of, yes, there's a real finality about that. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's a sh- shock maybe sometimes, but... I think it's just, there's just such a finality and that's maybe mm-hmm. where, where the shock comes in. Yeah. It's just like, what has just happened here? Yeah. This is somebody who is part of my life mm-hmm. and, you know, is part of me and and who makes me up in some ways. Yes. You know, it's like, this is, it's not just somebody you know, it's somebody yeah. who's actually in your very being. Yes. And that never goes away. Mm-hmm. So she, Janet's been dead now 28 years and wow. I still carry the person who jammed around with me and she's still my older sister even yeah. though you know I remember when I reached the age that she died so she died um, she was 35 in mm-hmm. a day she died the day after her 35th birthday wow and I remember reaching that age and thinking oh from now on I really need to yeah. make this kind of you yes. know there was like yeah. such a sense of yeah I have been blessed to, yeah. to, to live on a bit longer now and I think you know, I remember sort of thinking at the time, like, what what about her would I like to mm-hmm. have in my life? And it was her courage, her determination and her incredible faith. Yeah. And, you know, I st- I've tried, no, I've not tried, but that's the stuff that I want, yeah. that I wanted for me mm-hmm. at that time. Whenever mm-hmm. I just thought, what do I want of her? Yeah. And that's what it was, you know. And her ability to love people, I think, just to be able to embrace and to bring I think you're very good at that, Kathy. <laughs> I think you're all those things. <laughs> but anyway, I think my mum actually taught all of us how to do that, really. Mm-hmm. But, you know, looking back at my mum's life too, she was like that, only much more quieter and, mm-hmm. you know, scarier. Mm-hmm. But Janet really lived it. And I saw in Janet what I wanted my life to be mm-hmm. like, you know. Talking about your mum there, <clears throat> I know your mum passed away last year. She did. And I'm kind of interested to know, did that feel like a totally new grief? Did you feel like you were sort of practised in it in a way? And also, what was it like grieving your mum without Janet? There's maybe a lot of questions there. but Well, well it's interesting, actually, because after Janet died, as I said, it, it changed 
deft me completely. So mm. I was with my grandmother actually when she passed away. And she passed away very suddenly. So it was like she'd just been feeling a wee bit unwell that morning. And I'd gone round just to see how she was doing. And it was one of those wee things where I was at work and I really probably, I could have waited till later. But I just, there was something in, in my... Thought you should go now. Yes, it yeah. made me feel I need to go around now. And I, I'm so glad I did. Because the, the while we were there, she was really sick. And we decided to get the doctor and the doctor come and all the rest of it. And... Well, we were waiting for the ambulance to come and take her to the hospital. She just died. She just died. Her heart kept packed in and that was it. Oh my goodness. And I was with her and my mum and dad were living in Israel at the time, actually. Um, so they weren't even, there was nobody about mm -hmm. really to kind of like, Help. I need to speak to an adult now yes. to help her, you know, as I was in my 30s. Yeah. So it was kind of me. And it was amazing because there were like three things that sort of happened at that point. It was like, you know, this horrible grief that, oh my God, he's just died in my arms here. And then this other thing was something weird had happened to you. It was like, uh, she had died. She died sitting on the toilet and I'd come round. I saw that there was something happening and I'd come round to just to support her. To, mm -hmm. And so I was behind her trying to hold her and something fell out of her mouth. I'm looking <laughs> down like this and I see it's her false teeth have fallen out, you know. And yes, exactly. And it was like, part of me wanted... Too, too many thoughts at once. To laugh. And that's all going on at the same time. So you realise, actually, your mind is incredible in the middle of those really yeah. sort of like, you know, difficult things. So many but, emotions going at once yes, then. Yeah. you still have the capacity to have humour and to Yes. Laugh. It's bizarre, you know. So, so my mum had Parkinson's and my mum, again, she always knew she was going for years. She had said, oh... Life's getting tougher and tougher. I wish, you, you know, God would come back. Just take me now. You know, mm -hmm. she had that sort of, you know, mentality. And, um, you know, she, I always remember my mum after Janet died. She she went in to help the nurses prepare. Um, so they got jam jammies and stuff for her and they put on clean jammies. And she was in there washing her body and doing that. And, you know, wow. she had such a strength and, and, you know, her reasoning for doing that. She said, you know, I saw her come into the world and... I want to see her go out. I want to see her go out. And they had... She was... You know, my mum and dad both had incredible faith as well through my sister Janet, actually, mm. you know. Yeah. She had basically... It's amazing. Her. Yeah. So um, my mum was always, again, very pragmatic, very practical. And, you know, her favourite expression was catch yourself on. So she would have, <laughs> you know, if you'd been too modelling or whatever, it'd be just a catch yourself on, you know, where she is and all the rest of it, you know. Mm -hmm. But there were moments where it was definitely, I could see her looking at me sometimes and trying to work out, you know, what Janet would have looked like as we got older, you know, as we got older. Yeah. But anyway, when my mum passed away, I we were fortunate enough that... So we hadn't seen her through the whole of lockdown. She was in a care home and that was really oh, difficult. Wow. And there was part of that. Yeah, she started to detach because she physically could not be with her. You yeah. Know? And that was very weird. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people, you know, who experienced. Will be in similar situations, yeah. yeah. So when we finally were able to get to see her again, of course, it was all, you know, with all this baby gear on and screens and, and yeah. you know, you couldn't, you couldn't even touch her and, and so That's forth. Awful. But when she she, she was um, passing, they knew it was coming to the end. So they just were able to put her into her room and they said, you can come and go. And we came in through a back door and we were able to stay with her through the whole week as she basically was was dying. Mm -hmm. And that was great. I stayed with her every night. I like the nighttime shift. Mm -hmm. um, there's something in the, the dark and the quietness that just, 
you know, appealed to me about that. And so I was able to go in and I, pl- I played music to her, held her hand, you know, massaged her hand with this beautiful oil and stuff mm-hmm. and just the, let the the oil, the aroma fill the room. But there was something because of what, you know, of what we'd seen that day with Janet. Janet, yeah. That it was just like, we're preparing you for going there, Mum. We're preparing you for this. And that was that was a beautiful experience and my mum mm-hmm. would have she'd been fully compassmentous would have loved that actually that, yeah. that we were all able to be with her and we were all there yeah. with her when she passed and and again we just cheered her home mm-hmm. um, and to know that she was going to see Janet I, I mean I, I can't I, I struggle to sort of think how would we have coped if we didn't have that faith but that incredible sort of hope for what lies ahead yeah. is just it just changes everything. It changes mm-hmm. your attitude to life and it changes your attitude to death. Mm-hmm. There is no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've heard, I mean, I haven't, I'm very close to both my sisters, but obviously, you know, I haven't had this experience, is that siblings are often, particularly grown-up siblings, are kind of the forgotten grievers. And I'm interested to know, did you feel that, you know, where people supportive and helpful to you when when you were going through grief or did you sort of feel like that? I think especially if someone does have, you know, parents still alive yeah. and and maybe children or a husband or, which she did. So, you know, did you feel that? Um, I don't think I felt it until Alan got remarried. Okay. Okay, which was quite soon afterwards. Um, that was a hard one to get our heads around. I remembered thinking you know seeing Alan with Grace and Grace was still only a little girl and sort of thinking not only have we lost Janet but we're probably likely to lose them too Mm -hmm. um and that was tough and whenever he remarried we went I went to the wedding and I bawled my eyes out the whole way through it and then came home and bawled my eyes out and I shouldn't have gone to the reception probably Mm because I bawled my eyes out through the whole reception as well And I think my mum and dad actually had gone to Israel Mm. to live there for a while. And I think that was probably the best thing to do because it was just a complete change of scenery. So to answer your question, um, do the siblings get... I think I've I've seen it with other people where I sort of looked at the siblings and I think I feel so sorry for you, especially if they're... Like I know Andrew's sister was on her own. Was on her own. And another friend who died recently or just last year girl in her 40s with brain cancer as well and her sister was on her own and I, you sort of think yeah that's a it's a hard one because mm-hmm. people will empathize with you and mm-hmm. all the rest of it but I think obviously the parents and so forth will get more of that but I I, I don't remember it sort of people ignoring us or anything like that yes. I do feel I remember feeling very supported and very loved is there anything that anybody did that was very helpful? I'm always interested to know this because I think if people are listening who maybe haven't had a grief in their life but do want to try and support others. I think, you know, well, especially for me, I'm a talker. I like to yeah. talk and I talk about my emotions and my feelings mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. So I think there were a few friends who just were there and just listened. listened. And who, you know, would have remembered Janet and been able to sort of empathise and sort of tell about their feelings. And that really helped, actually, just being able to talk about it to somebody. Mm-hmm. It's really helpful, you know, I would have that would have been awful. Mm-hmm. So to have somebody there who just, you know, or who 
who wrote a card and just put something about Janet that they remembered yes. on the card. I love when people do that. Yes, yeah. there's like something really special where it's, it's you know, sort of just mm. you can gather all of that love for the person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yours. You know, and do some people still talk to you about Janet oh, yes, today? Yes, yeah. there are. Um, yeah, there are people. There was a girl actually who years later um, wrote a lovely note to me, but she was trying to write it to Janet as somebody who had been really influ- influential in her life. And she said, Janet's not here to write this to, so I want tried it to you instead and it was absolutely lovely because it you know it brought that warmth that love and that capacity that Janet had to embrace and bring Mm -hmm. people in right back into my spirit but it was a Mm -hmm. real encouragement Mm -hmm. for me personally as well I don't know why that was but it just was and I was always grateful for her doing that you know it was just really special yeah she didn't have to no it's easy to just not do that and that was special and there were people who Janet significantly impacted would have, you know, including this lady who passed away today, would have said, you know, I miss Janet or I love this about Janet. And, mm-hmm. you know, and she would have said her name mm-hmm. all the way through those years. And that was really... Probably really important, important for you as well. Yeah. yeah. Because the thing is, it's like for a lot of people, you know, she has forgotten about mm-hmm. because she wasn't significant. But for uh, for us, you never forget. And is it strange... I find this a little bit, so I'm interested to know, and I'm nowhere near as long years after, if you meet somebody new, you know, maybe you're working with someone new or for whatever reason, you just meet someone new. Do you sort of feel like that's a part of your life that you want to say? But yes. Do, and do you say it? Or, yes. Yeah. Unquestionably. So, for example, you take all the kids in our family apart from Grace. Yeah. So after that, my brother had kids, my sister had kids, mm-hmm. you know, we adopted our three children and... Janet was very much part of all of that. And, you know, even yet I was, I was saying to my youngest, you would have loved her. She would have loved you. Yeah. Do you know, and you, you, there's definitely, and, and we actually named when when we adopted our kids, we were, we were able to add names onto theirs. We kept their, obviously their original names, but yeah. we also added names on um, my eldest girl had Janet put into her name. Aww. So that, that was significant and Janet would have loved that, you yes. know. But it's, yes, there's no doubt about it that she... That she's still part of us. She's still part of our family. She's not right here anymore. Mm-hmm. I have a great relationship with my niece Grace. I was going to um, say, do you still see Grace? Yes, That's really I good. Do. And it's like sort of we talk about her. That's probably very special to her as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. It's important for her. So it, it, it's yeah, but it's not just because we do it because it's important. It just comes naturally. Yes, you want to talk about her. Yeah. You know, and she left all this stuff, all this creative stuff, all these lovely rugs and things. But and every now and again, you know, we're sort of going. I go through some books that I, that I have, her art books, and yeah, just come across wee things or little sort of, you know, um, writings that she'd put in beside drawings that she did, and and you know, you can still you still hear whatever sees hear her sense of humor coming through that. You know, her creativity, her love, her warmth, it's all still there. Yeah. So it's great to have wee bits and pieces still belonging to her that just, do you know, Ruth, I even have a couple of items of clothing and same for my mum yeah. that she wore and I keep them up in a little box and sometimes I lift them. Yeah. I'll smell them. Yeah. And it just takes you back. I know. It is funny how talking about it. And you can be kind of living your life, but it doesn't matter how many years back it is. Just talking about it, it's like you're back in that moment, isn't it? It's strange. Kathy, 
Um, I asked everyone this as the last question. I think you've pretty much answered it, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <clears throat> so as you know, this is called, are you over it yet? And, uh, it's someone said that to me. I was, I was trying to think when it was, it was about a year after Andrew died. So do you think you're over it yet? Um, and no, I, th- I think I understood what they meant, but that was, those are the words that they used. And, uh, so are you over it yet? I don't think I ever get over it, but I think the horrible wrenching waves of grief that used to come at the start where you would just find yourself bawling your eyes out. Yeah. And I mean, heart wrenching. That, that, that disappears in time. There's no yes. doubt about it. They talk about time being a healer. I think it does heal. Mm-hmm. But I think that you always carry the legacy of that person with yeah. you. So are you, I don't want to be over it. Yeah. I want to continue to carry Janet with me and not in a sort of debilitating kind yeah. of way where you can't move forward if anything I want it to be a way that spurs me on to living my best life yeah and to live life in all of its abundance because you realize that that's what she was rooting for you you know yeah. all along for so it's like I want to respect that but it's like I'm not living my life for her I'm living my life for me yeah but I carry that and my mum as well and all the others that have gone before mm. who have now passed on. It's like, it's, it's in the Bible, it talks about you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Yes. Well, I see Janet, my mum, my aunts, you know, all those people who loved and rooted for me all my life. They're part of that great cloud of witnesses spurring me on yeah. to the end, do yeah. you know? So, and that's what I I want to try and get across to our kids. You know, it's just like these people in your lives are important because, mm-hmm. you know, allow them to speak into your life and allow them to leave some sort of legacy within you that's positive and encouraging and all the rest of it anyway. So, Kathy, <clears throat> you have been so honest. You made me cry. <laughs> But in a lovely way. I wish I'd got to meet Janet because she just sounds you she just her. sounds amazing. Um thank you so much for coming and doing this. You're so welcome. Appreciate it so much. Thank, thank you. you for asking. I love talking about her, so it's just <laughs> nice to do that again. <laughs>